Welcome to the Econ Dev Show. We explore the strategies, ideas, and insights that are driving economic development forward into the future. future. You'll hear new insights from passionate EDs about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from attraction and retention experts about how to apply actionable strategies inside your EDO. We'll help take your organization, your community, and your career to the next level. Here's your host, Dane Carlson. Our episode today is brought to you by Cathode Ray Media. Cathode Ray is a full-service marketing agency that connects government organizations to their communities. Visit cathoderay.com, that's K-A-T-H-O-D-E-R-A-Y.com to learn more or ask for a free no-obligation consultation. Welcome back to the Econ Dev Show. Today we're here with Chris Gibbons. He is the creator of Economic Gardening and the founder of the National Center for Economic Gardening. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you. So um, you are sort of a celebrity, I guess, in the uh, in this field. Um, but why don't you take us all the way back to you know whenever it was, what twenty five years ago when you created Economic Gardening? in Littleton, Colorado. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, you bet. So it's probably closer to 35 years. I can't hardly believe I've been doing it this long. But it was 1987. Um, I, at the time, was working uh, for the city of Littleton. And um, the if you are old enough or at least read about it in history books, that this is the time when the Berlin Wall came down, Soviet unions collapsing, a major employer in Littleton at that time was Martin Marietta. They're Lockheed Martin today, and they make missiles and rockets. It's, it's outside the city limits, but a lot of those people lived in Littleton. And so there was this big discussion about there was going to be a big peace dividend, uh, you know, with the Soviet Union collapsing, except we were in the war business. <laughs> And so Martin Marietta laid off 7,000 people out of a workforce of about 15,000 out there at that plant. Major, major impact on the community. And so that council um, gave us a direction that they wanted us to work with local companies to create good jobs. That's all they ever said. Um, and so my boss, uh, Jim Woods, who I always give credit as being kind of a co-creator of this, Jim ended up being city manager, but we had literally hundreds of conversations about this subject over those 35 years. And so we didn't have a real good idea about where we're going, but we knew it was about entrepreneurs. And we knew, we always called it growing your own as an alternative, not, not a replacement, but another tool uh, to, if you go out and get companies and bring them into you know, town, economic hunting, and so the idea would be, well, what if you stayed home and weed, water, fertilize, and try to help local companies grow economic gardening? And I, and I didn't think up the term. I, a guy by the name of Phil Burgess, actually, who I heard speak, um, he was with the Center for the New West, a think tank. And so we went down and met with Phil uh, probably within an hour, cut a deal, and said, we'll be a field test for it if you guys will open doors for us. And they did in spades all across the country, top-notch thinkers all during that time period. And so the focus of the whole program was not a, a BRE, not business uh, you know, assistance program. The people that we work with are stage two companies. 
they know how to run a business. The definition, our definition, is that you got to have a million dollars in sales and we got to have 10 employees. So we're not going to teach them, you know, we're not going to do business plans or uh, succession plans or HR or all that sort of stuff. They know that stuff. What we're really looking for is then to boost, boost uh, you know, the growth. Those companies, those stage two companies, are about 15% more or less in most communities, and they usually are producing around 40% of the jobs. So that's the four-minute version. I've got a, a, a three-day version, and then I've also got a 35-year version that my wife listened to. So <laughs> just tell me what version. Right. I, I think, uh, well, I don't think we want the 35-year version, but I think that <laughs> it, it's helpful to understand well, I guess a number of things. Number one, did this not exist at all, this idea before, um, you know, this all took place? And number two, so you mentioned this is not BRNE. This is working with stage two companies to help them grow. And I guess I would like to understand more about what it is that they need to grow. How, how does that work? You bet. So I'll take the first one. The answer is no, it did not exist. Uh, we're, we're sort of credited with creating the category, if you will. And if, if you back it up, it is so common today that people can't imagine a time period when it, when it wasn't around. But it, to me, it's like smoking. A younger generation, you know, the idea that you're going to smoke in a restaurant is just abhorrent to people. Sure. But I remember a time when restaurants had smoke all the time, and that change. You know, you get a new generation. They don't know what went on before. And I just published an article in IEDC Journal mostly to document what went on before because when we first proposed it, it was just considered such a – I'll tell you a quick little story. I was at the uh, – Denver has an organization of all the economic developers work together. And so uh, I was at one of those meetings, and I proposed this. I said uh, – they, they were assigning committees and, and people, the chairman – I said, are we going to have an entrepreneurial committee? And there was just like dead silence in the room. And I, I always kind of think of like I proposed a new number between 10 and 11 or something. People right. go, I don't even know how to think about this. So the answer was no. And for a long time, maybe 10 years, it was not very common. Over a period of time, I really consider 2000 kind of where it exploded. A lot of people started doing things. Uh, Academics started researching it, uh, the foundation started funding it, and a lot of things. But for those of us, and it was a very, very small group of us, uh, back in the early days, the answer is no, it wasn't very common. Um, the other question around what is it we do if we don't do business assistance? Well, first of all, um, the, we do research at the, at the very core. but. Um, a lot of it is around market research. It's around competitor intelligence. Um, we, we work through three marketing channels. So we do search engine optimization and, um, you know, outbound, inbound, and watering holes. Um, the, we work on business models quite a bit. About, I would easily say, you know, maybe a quarter of the time is that you can increase sales with a better business model. Uh, you don't have to just do marketing stuff. But our people are in second gear is a way to think about it. So the stage one companies, and, and this is not to denigrate stage one companies, but 90% of those never get to stage two. You know, they're, they're going to be mom and pop, main street, local market kinds of companies. 
their issue is almost always survival. <laughs> it's just like, you know, let me stay alive and make some sales. The stage two companies have solved that problem. Their issues are, you know, hitting second gear. And it's like, okay, you know, when you start a company, you make and you sell. And usually the owner is involved in both of those things. At a certain size, you can't make and sell yourself anymore. What you're doing is building an organization that makes and sells. And so the issues that those stage two companies are dealing with, they're a lot different than the stage one companies. It's kind of a short answer. I got a long answer to all of these things. So just <laughs> sure, sure. That makes that makes sense. So um, you work on their marketing, you work on their their business model and their operations and and all of that. And then they, I guess, what's after stage two, stage three? But what's that look like? Well, we don't work with stage three. So we, we go from ten to one hundred employees and one to fifty million in sales. When you get to stage three most of the time you're bringing the stuff that we do in-house. You can hire uh, database researchers. You can hire, you know, IT people that know how to do search engine optimization and these kinds of things. But here's probably one of the key things that we brought to the table that's making us so much difference. And that is over a period of time, what we realized that on any given day, any kind of marketing campaign has a 98% failure rate. <laughs> Okay. And there's a lot of data out there. If you take a look at, you know, the old cold call, hey, if you want to make a sale, you're going to have to call in 100 people. Uh, the old direct mail, you get a 2% return, you're doing really good. You get a 3% return and you're at the top of the list. You look at Google ads, you look at LinkedIn ads, you know, all of those various ways of campaigning, they all say, hey, one, one, two percent, half percent, somewhere in that range is really good. Well, if you're doing 2% really good, you're doing 98% failure rate. And so what we said is, is there a way to just go find those 2% on the front end? And one of the things we realize is they give off public signals a change. Anybody going through some kind of change has established the motivation and it creates this sales window. To us, the sales window is, and this is, you know, if you're building, uh, or let's say you're buying a, a big machine or you're in a convenience store and you just want a snack. And so the first thing you're going to do is you're going to be motivated. I'm hungry or, you know, we, we, this thing broke. Second thing you're going to do is investigate, well, what are my choices out here? The third thing is you're going to evaluate it, which one's best, and then you're going to purchase this. Old economy marketing was about step one and step four. We're going to send our people out. We make something, give it to marketing and sales, go sell it for us. And then, you know, motivate somebody and then jump to step four and close the deal. Our whole approach is to go to step two. And that is go find people that are already motivated. We don't have to do that hard thing. We don't have to do that 98% thing out there. If they're motivated, they're now in the investigation stage. So. So what we call it intercept marking, and we intercept them in that investigation stage. And so let's say you had a thousand you know, potentials out there and you know, your 2% is 20. Instead of calling on the other 980, we call on or we, we try to find and intercept that 20% that's in the market. And that opens up a sales window in there. If you call on them before that sales windows open up for that motivation established, 
And that change could be got a new CEO, we got a merger and acquisition, we got a lawsuit, we got a new product. We got about 25 categories of change that we looked at. And so that, that when that window opens up, if you call on them before that motivation is established, low probability. You call on them after they just bought something, it's zero probability. Inside that sales window is the high probability sales call. And that's what makes our program work is that, you know, it's just more efficient. The guy who calls, you know, on all thousand, say he's making all those cold calls, he's going to stumble into the same 20 people that we did. It's just hugely inefficient. You know, he's spending most of his time getting rejected. I don't know if you had to uh, read uh, Death the Salesman in high school, Willie Mullman got his trudging little, you know, it's that life that you're right. talking about. It's not necessary. There's a smarter, better way of doing things. So a lot of it is around finding better sales for the pe people. Um, but it's also, there's a lot of, you know, we've, we've done about 3,500 engagements. We, we kind of learn, you know, some shortcuts. And it's, it's a little bit like a doctor. When you walk through the door, the doctor pretty much knows what's wrong with you. You go through the drill and you ask the questions to verify everything. But pretty soon you start seeing patterns. You start saying, yeah, we recommend, go ahead and tell us. And about the only thing that's changing is the names, names of the company, names of the people, names of the customer. The conceptual problem needs to be the same all the time. So, so we've got that package of things that we do for those second stage companies to accelerate their growth. And, so let me stop there and let you go ahead and ask. Yeah, me no, that's that's fascinating. So, um, so is this a, then a service that you provide, or is this a train? You know, a train teach other people how to do this, or or what? How does that work? Both. Yeah, we do those two things. We train and certify so that you can do one of two things. You can say, hey, let me get up to speed so I understand how you guys work and what you do, and then we'll go run our own program. And there are programs out there that run independently of the national center but they were all trained by us or a lot of time what happens more often probably in the 85 90 percent range is when they get into it and they realize okay well this is a little more complex than we thought it was going to be why don't you guys do it so i've got a team of 25 people they're scattered all across the country our contracts are scattered all across the country but they do what we did in littleton all those many years ago. So they're specialists in uh, database research and GIS mapping and uh, digital marketing and search engine optimization and all of those. And what we've added recently is chat GPT. But we put all of those tools into a package that says, we'll go in and do it for you. You find the, the companies, you got to bet them to meet those criteria I talked mm -hmm. about. but. At that point, turn them over to us. We'll sit down with a discovery call. It takes about an hour and a half to get up to speed on who they are and what they do. And then uh, there's a series of questions to be answered that they'll give us. We'll sign them to these specialists. They'll report back, and that's how we work. That's fabulous. Um, I guess the obvious question to me is, you know, why aren't you a, a bazillionaire if you can, um, you know, if you can provide this service? It, it seems like, you know, you should get be getting a piece on the back end. This That's, you know, phenomenal. Yeah, I, to tell you the truth, I, my, my background is urban planning, and I kind of backed into economic development because the two are tied together in a lot of ways. And so my orientation has always been about communities. I, I've got a little book on our website. It's about 
about 100 pages, talks about the history of how we got started and all of this. But the very first chapter is about my personal background, where I grew up. And it was a little town called Waukita, Oklahoma, north central Oklahoma, wheat farming town. And its only claim to fame is, if you saw the movie Twister, um, the, the town that gets destroyed at the end of that movie is Waukita. And, and it oh, shows right. the, the water. Yeah. My, my parents live across the street from that water oh, tower. And so Steven Spielberg was in town for you know a year and a half shooting that movie. And but my town died, or it's you know, there's maybe 200 people lived there with average age of what 85 or something like real common with all those plain states. Fact, a lot of towns in, in the country are like that. But that's what drove me was to save my town. I didn't save my town, but man, I thought about it a lot. Sure, I wasn't thinking about making money, I, I was just thinking about paying my mortgage, <laughs> right? Are there any companies that have you know, gone through this that we would know their names or, you know, it, it's public, oh. you know? Yeah. That yeah. Succeeded. That's a really good point. I ought to put that list together. The short answer is no, I can't give it to you just immediately. Sure. But there are companies and it's like everything else. It's like, well, how many kids that play little league ball end up playing pro and right. making all star, you know, that list just gets narrow and narrower as, as you go up. But there are companies that do that. And, and we won't ever claim that, you know, we, caused that we were just staff people doing we're like boss what information do you need whoever's running that company causes that and and i've always had kind of an issue with economic development about how much we claim you know it's, it's kind of the same we don't say it in public but you know anything shoot anything that flies claim anything that falls we don't create those jobs we just provided them some high-powered information that allowed them to make decisions to to be able to grow so um but Short answer is no, I don't have a list right it Okay, down. that's good. Um, but it does exist. does exist. Okay, and you mentioned uh, today moving into chat GPT. I thought that would be an interesting thing to hear about how you're utilizing that or and what you're seeing. And well, we're, seeing. we're probably like everybody else. What, what are we? We're just about one year into mm -hmm. when it was announced, something like that. I think it was November of last year. Uh, we looked at it. We're kind of watching it from a distance. We said get involved in it and the first thing when you get involved in it like probably everybody else is you start realizing it lies it hallucinates they say it makes up stuff right uh, the sources are not real so that was the first thing that that we got a handle on and say okay if we get this information we've got to have a double check against it we got to have some some other kind of like newspaper people do i need a second source on that kind of thing and so uh, I just read where, in fact, I just saw it on BARD, Google is giving the sources. There's a little button down at the bottom, and if you want to know what the sources were, we learned some techniques about it when it told us stuff is to ask it over and over again and said, you just said, and where did you get the sources? You know, just come at it a bunch of, I mean, it's not human, but you're just trying to verify that it's coming up with the same answer every time. What I told my team is, here's a way to think about this. This is like having a college intern doing, you know, the base work for you, but you still got to look at it. You still got to bring your wisdom. You still got to go through it. So thank you very much. And then we finally started joking in houses. This is like having a college intern that's carrying a C plus average doing the work for you. Exactly. So, but we just think it has tremendous potential. One of the biggest issues, the difference between uh, BARD and ChatGPT is, as you, if you've used them, is ChatGPT is two years back. 
So you can't get any current information over the last two years. BART, you can. So that solved part of that problem, particularly if you try to do market research and look into the future. So we just think it's going to be a tremendous tool once it gets worked out. Absolutely. I, I, it's funny you said that it's like a college intern with a C plus. Yeah, I say it's like a intern that, you know, isn't very bright, but takes direction really well and never gets upset yeah. when you tell it that it's being dumb and, you know, to start over yeah. again. Yeah. Or ask him, where did you get that? <laughs> right. Exactly. No, but it is, it is amazing. It does illustrate, um, you know, at the end of the day, these are all tools and we're going to continue using tools and obviously the tools are going to change, but it does seem like it, it's going to be a part of everything we do. Just like, you know, uh, word processors and spreadsheets. Just another tool, but it's going to be a really That's good right. tool. We always talk about, we know what's going on in this country before the president knows because we're down there at the ground level and they're telling us they're hiring or they're not hiring or we have these problems and, you know, six months later it's going to roll up and then the president's going to find out he's got some kind of economy. But being on that ground level, you also get to muck around in other people's businesses and some of them are pretty interesting. Uh, let me tell you two quick stories. One of them is, uh, the, this is what the company did is they bred uh, floppy-eared dogs, mom-sniffing dogs. And so if you stop and think about it, if you're in an airport and you've got a sharp-eared dog like a German Shepherd or something, that makes people pretty nervous. you got a beagle-looking dog that's sniffing. Everybody wants to pet it, and then you got to get them you know, not to pet the dog. And so as it turned out, that market centered down around San Antonio. We, we, one of the tools we have is a uh, it's a map that shows who's connected to who around the subject matter. <clears throat> so in this case, uh, and I think the reason it ended up down in San Antonio is because a lot of the market was military, and uh, there's a bunch of bases, if you're familiar with that area of the country, down there around southern San Antonio. So, you know, we're, we're going, don't waste your time in Minneapolis or Atlanta. you got to get San Antonio if you want to get find the market. So that's that's an example of how you're using good information to find markets and then eventually how to market to them. The other one happened during this same week, to just give you the range of stuff that we do. The first one is that people did a digital map of Manhattan or parts of Manhattan. Monstrous file, shipped that file out to Hollywood and Spider-Man flies around in that digital file. I mean, it's just as high tech as you can think. At the end of the week, we did work for an Amish uh, furniture-making company, but we couldn't get the information to them. Had to ship it to a guy that was in town that had a computer that could download it and print it off, got in his car, and drove it out to their farm. And I, I got to the end of that week, and I'm going, there's nobody in the world that gets to see you know, that spread of you know, what companies are doing in that short amount of time. So. We love the work that we do. A lot of companies are fairly similar. We see a lot of engineering companies, a lot of IT companies, you know, and a lot of job shop manufacturing companies. We can just close our eyes and tell you what that story is going to be because they all have the same story. But you still wander into these others. There was a company down in Richardson, Texas. They did atomic manufacturing, and what they did is arranged atoms to make stuff. And we're all looking at each other and going, 
do you know what they do? Because I don't know what they do, and I don't know who the market is for that stuff. But we do like we do. We dig into it, and we, we catch up with them, and we finally find the more found markets for them. So it's really interesting work, to tell you the truth. Wow, I can imagine. It, it, it seems fun. I'm sure that's why you get up in the morning. You get to learn about new businesses and, and all of that every single day. The, 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 the two things that drive me, one is to, I'm, I'm of the opinion that the reason we've got such radical politics is because people are hurting. And when you put people under stress, and so we work a lot in the Midwest, and I, I don't know if you've ever been in Gary, Indiana, or places like that. Oh, yeah. You drive through that downtown, and you just feel for them. Those people were minding their own business, getting up. They were good employees. They, they go, you know, they're, they're, they go to church. They're on the school board. They contribute. They volunteer. And then their job is gone. And then the job's gone, it's like, okay, you start getting domestic violence, then you get alcoholism, then there's no revenues for the police force, and the school goes down, and that whole thing. That story hurts. I mean, that's, that's you know, my hometown died for a different reason, but it's still the, the, you can understand why people get radical when you're in that. And so, I mean, on this side, we, got, we work with interesting companies, which keeps the day pretty interesting. But over here, that deep driving need to solve that problem, to get our country back into you know, some kind of shape where everybody is benefiting by free enterprise, because everybody's not benefiting by free enterprise. I'm kind of on a soapbox right now, but it's a deep passion of mine. No, it's, it sounds like it. It sounds like you have a deep passion both for the businesses and for the people. And Absolutely. I mean, that, at the end of the day, that's why we're all economic developers, because we want to make yeah. better lives for our community, you know, better lives in our communities. So, yeah. Yeah. I always say the filter is the community. The filter is not for me, not making money. The filter is about making life better, not only for particular people and particular communities, but our nation. Um, yeah, I don't know if you're aware, but Harvard has a reimagining the economy uh, project underway. They, there were like five universities that got a $40 million grant just to go back and say, okay, we, we, we don't want to throw out free enterprise. Look at all the wealth it created and how it's lifted everybody up. But there's aspects to it. And that is some people are losing their jobs as part of the deal. That's kind of the price of it. You, you, you got to figure out, okay, all the rest of us got all the good stuff because you invented and created new stuff and you drove the price down but it was at the cost of you losing your job to Mexico or China or someplace. That's the problem to work on. At least I think everybody's working on it. I think so. <laughs> Nobody's got the support so. yet. Yeah, I think that that's the, that's the huge problem. And that's what I think hopefully we're going to, you know, resolve here in the next decade. Do, do you see positive signs that, that we're going to solve that problem or, you know, what, what do you think? It's interesting because I got my own take on it. Um, but, you know, you've got Harvard and MIT and um, the Santa Fe Institute, which is uh, complex adaptive systems or complexity science. A big part of our uh, program is because we discovered those folks about 30 years ago. The, the, the answer is buried in there somewhere. And they're a lot smarter. These are the Los Alamos scientists. These are the A-bomb guys. They're sure. smarter than me. All, all we did was to take what they were telling us was, you know, new, different, and true and apply it to our program. But I can't help but think that the sheer fact that they're working on it and they've had this 35 year you know, prep time to start thinking about this problem that somewhere between Harvard, MIT and Santa Fe Institute, somebody's got to come up with the answer. Absolutely. 
I think part of the issue, what I've kind of decided is that free economy and capitalism works for capitalists. And that means that equity owners, you know, the people that have equity are doing really well. And so the, the real question is, well, how, does more, how do more people own equity? You know, maybe you set up a, a trust when you're born and say, hey, we're going to invest in stock markets. You've got just as much, uh, you know, stake in the stock market as, you know, everybody else has got. Anybody that's got a retirement fund's already got equity in there. You really want more people bought in on the equity side and get them off of the, well, you're going to lose your job side. You know, the, 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 what's making that equity go up, what makes your stock go up is we found a cheaper way to do it, and that cheaper way was without you. <laughs> it's going to be right. something else. Right. So I, I think some combination conceptually about it, it's going to be that discussion between equity and, and you know, commoditized labor. Commoditization is a big issue in, in economic gardening. You know, if, if you end up in, uh, you can't tell the difference. And we always use salt as an example. So, you know, you, you sell, I sell salt for two bucks and you sell it for buck 80 and it's like, the consumer's going, well, this is a short conversation, that's salt. And, right. and so then I got to get it down to 60 and you got to buck 20. And, you know, we're just in a race to the ground. Anybody caught in that commodity trap, and that's a big chunk of the um, rural uh, agricultural related products, natural resource products, if you will. If, you, if you've got uh, timber, you got wheat, you got corn, you got cotton, you got tobacco, you got mining, you got fishing, all of those, they're all, they're all fighting that commodity trap. And that commodity trap just keeps driving down wages because that's what you got to do to sell until finally somebody in a foreign country can sell it cheaper than you can. Uh, just yesterday, uh, they were talking about, uh, I think it was, uh, what was it, like a fruit that I thought was real perishable, like blueberries or something like that. And they were going, they all come from Chile now. And it's like, how do they even come up here fast enough before they go bad? But, but that happens all across the country, and all those small rural towns are all under that same, we, we call it the commodity trap, the rural commodity trap. But it also exists in manufacturing towns. You know, If you're a job shop manufacturing and you've got a five-axis CNC machine, you know, that's top of the line you can make it, guess what? They got them in China. <laughs> you know, uh, all over Southeast Asia, they got them in Mexico. So as, as sophisticated as that machine is, that's not the issue. The issue is, does somebody else, can they match you? Because if they can match you, then you caught in the downward spiral kind of thing. Wow. Am this, I has been, this has been fascinating. Well, if, um, if any of our listeners would like to reach out and find out more about economic gardening or the um, National Center, um, what should they, where should they go or how should they do that? A couple places. Got a website. Um, it's called uh, economicgardening.org, O-R-G. Interestingly enough, <laughs> I've got a, uh, a email address, C Gibbons, all one word, C G I B B O N S at economicgardening.org. And uh, there's a book in there on the website that kind of gives you the background because there's a lot of fairly sophisticated. Like I said, we got introduced to smart people early on, and so we were having to learn. One of them was Paul Romer, and I don't know if you know Paul Romer, but it's been two years ago now. He won the Nobel Prize for Economics. We talked to right. Paul Romer 20-something 20, 20 years ago, and he influenced us. The Santa Fe Institute people influenced us. The MIT people influenced us. The Harvard people influenced us. 
It's not like we were smart people. We just figured out how to take their smarts and apply it to what we were trying to do. So the book kind of talks about all of those various elements of how they came together when we were building the program way back there. Well, that's fantastic. I'm going to have to get the book and read it, and then I'll have to have you back on so we can talk about it because this okay. whole thing is it's it's, so, it's much, you know, so much more interesting than I, I don't know, than I was imagining. There's so many more pieces to it. And we almost always get that reaction. That this is richer, deeper, more complex than we were thinking it was going to be. I haven't even talked about complexity science. So there's another whole major element to this thing, which, you know, 99.9% .9 of people have probably never heard of. Well, well, we'll have to do that again in the future. Okay. Absolutely. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being on the, um, the podcast today. Uh, I really appreciate it, and I hope to have you again in the future. You bet. I appreciate the invitation. Thanks a lot, Dave. You're welcome. You've been listening to the Econ Dev Show with Dane Carlson. If you're an economic developer who never stops learning, for more expert strategies, fresh insights, and new ideas to take your career, organization, and your community to the next level, visit us on the web at econdevshow.com.